Hey friend, Becky here. I'm your host and you're listening to We Are Free. This is a podcast about letting go of what we think our lives should look like and the sweet freedom God has for us on the other side of surrender. If you're new here, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes with the incredible women I get to chat with every week. And if We Are Free has been an encouragement to you, it would mean so much to me if you headed over to iTunes to rate and review the show. Thank you so much for all of your support. All right, let's get going. I can't wait for you to listen to this latest episode. Welcome to We Are Free, episode 68. My guest today is Michelle Niedert. Michelle is a mom of two, an author, speaker, and clinical director of Community Counseling Associates in Dallas, Texas. As a sought-after leader by mental health professionals, churches, and school districts, Michelle created a crisis intervention program for a large suburban school district intervening in the lives of thousands of students and their families. She is the co-author of Loved and Cherished, a devotional for tween girls, and is co-host of the Raising Brave Beauties podcast. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, thanks so much. Actually, we need to update that. We are rebranding that podcast for a new season to Raising Mentally Healthy Kids. Oh, I like it. Raising so Mentally Healthy Kids. Yeah, we're going to work on that. We need it after COVID for sure. Yes, so. yes. And we're going to talk about that today too, which I'm excited yeah. about. Um, I'm so grateful you're here. You have got so many credentials and experience and <laughs> like things that you have done that you're just going to be such a gift to um share some of that wisdom with us today. Uh, we all like, I feel like mental health has become this buzzword and everybody's talking about it. We know the importance of it, but I'm excited just to dive into like, what does that look like? What are some practices we can actually apply in our lives? Um, yeah, Michelle, why don't we start out by you just giving us a few ways, like from your experience and working with women in your own life too, like what are some ways that we can protect our mental health like the best way possible? All right. And I'm going to make this disclaimer up front. Some of these are from a talk I give. So I have six R's, which is very, that is not the way I usually roll. But the first one I think is to remain in him. And what that means is to have a relationship with God and and create some regular spiritual practices. And I think that's going to look really different for every woman. Um, I am a wiggly, like my sister sits still and has this beautiful, quote, quiet time where she reads the Bible and she's a Bible study leader and she journals. And it's just this beautiful moment every day. I am more like listen to the Pray Every Day podcast by Mary DeMuth to give me a good mindset in the morning and worship music in the car on the way to work some days. And then my connection with God is kind of really fluid throughout the day. I read a book a long time ago about um, the practice of the presence of God. And so I'm even training my kids in that. Like I taught my, my son is kind of younger than my daughter. My daughter does what my sister does. She gets up every morning before me and makes me look kind of like a spiritual slacker. And has this, <laughs> she's 13 and has this beautiful quiet time at 530 in the morning. That's amazing. Where, First of all, I mean, that is... Uh, Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. She loves God and just enjoys that peace in the morning before she gets going. Um, my son says, good morning, God. And that's what I've trained him to start with and good night, God. And he listens to a scripture through the version Bible app, the scripture of the day on Alexa. Alexa reads him the verse of the day. How old so is your son? He's 10. Okay. So he's younger and that's kind of age appropriate. I'm still helping him create kind of that daily relationship with God. Um, in a briefer format that would be more appropriate for his attention span too. Totally. 
and he doesn't like to ride. So the other thing I think is really important as a mental health professional is if we're really going to be mentally healthy, we need to recover from past pain and grief. And whether that means you're in a recovery ministry at your church or you're meeting with a counselor, you know, if you were abused as a child or experienced trauma in your past and it's preventing you from having a healthy mindset, having healthy relationships, it you can't just bury it and hope it stays there because it impacts everything you do. And I just recently worked with a woman in the office in her 50s, late 50s, never addressed a severe childhood trauma. And it was affecting everything she did because she didn't have healthy boundaries with people. She yeah. kind of was in this victim mindset. And I have watched her just like bloom out of the sky as she heals from that childhood trauma. She is she is taking responsibility for her life in a new way and telling people, hey, it's not okay to treat me this way for the first time in yeah. her entire life. And it's amazing to watch her. She is valuing her body and her soul more than she ever has before. It just, it makes a huge difference. And we can't speed up that process of grief. I, I so wish we could, Becky, but that takes some time, But but we need to work through it. And we need to allow it to become not our story, but a part of our story. And I love that you bring that up, Michelle, because we think of mental health and, you know, it's, it's, it's trendy, you know, right now yeah. to take care of ourselves and really do these things. But we want easy answers. And I think that it's so important that you're bringing this up because like this is deep work, like to, to get to that place. And yes, there are some things we can do on a day-to-day basis, but sometimes like we're going to have to dive into the really hard stuff to actually get to the place where we think we can be slapping on the easy stuff. I agree because then what we do and we talk, I talk about this. I have 15 counselors who work for me at the counseling center and I'm still seeing clients myself. We don't want to slap a bandaid mm-hmm. on a deep wound. That's going to continue to ooze out of that bandage over and over again into their lives. Mm-hmm. That is not helping people. That is, we are heart surgeons at times. We're emotional heart surgeons and we need, if the client's willing to do the work, we don't force that right. on a client. And if we can put a Band-Aid on it, it's good enough. Sometimes that's what they need in the moment. But I tell them, you know, this is crisis stabilization. There's a point you might want to come back and take this deeper dive so you don't keep showing up in crisis. Yeah. Because that can help a ton. And it can have a huge legacy on families down the road. You can impact, you know, I love that song, The Blessing, that talks about your children and their children's children. When we heal our soul, we impact the legacy of generations to come. And and that is something I was very committed to do in my young 20s. And I can see the fruit of that in my children's lives, the lack of insecurity. And pe- we've almost done too good a job with their people pleasing. They can have a little bit more of that. But, but I'm so grateful that God has freed me of some of those things. And in that, you know, as your podcast is called, We Are Free, that he is freeing them. And I can't wait to see what my grandkids look like. Yeah. yeah it's a little scary. I mean, they may just be the biggest kingdom rabble risers that have ever existed. Yeah. But something else I think that's really important is, and this is something we can all practice, no matter what spectrum of mental health we're on, if we're dealing with some fear or we're dealing with full panic, and that is to renew our minds. We're called to do that in Romans, and that is cognitive behavioral therapy at its best. And that is that this is what I even teach girls who have done the Love to Cherish camp, Becky, is like, when you wake up in the morning, can I do it with you? Yes, please. You good with that? Okay. Yes. How do you want to feel in the morning when you wake up, Becky? 
Mm, I want to feel refreshed. I want to feel ready. Oh, now I'm on the R's, Michelle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to feel um, not irritated. I want to feel calm and peaceful. Okay. You got a lot there, but they have a common thing. So if you want to feel that way, what, give me a sentence you could think mm-hmm. that would bring that feeling up for you. Mm-hmm. Um, a sentence I could think probably, um, I, let me think about this. Okay. God is, he's already, God knows what is going to happen and who, you know, the challenges I'm going to face, but um, he's already there waiting to take care of and help me through those things. Okay. And I might help you summarize that even further if you wanted to into something like God's got me today. Yes. Real simple. Okay. So when you say God's got me today, do you feel all that confidence and that refreshment and that peace? Yes. Okay. So what I would say when you wake up in the morning tomorrow, instead of just saying, how do I feel today? Because I usually feel sleepy or, you know, I've got a big plate so I could be overwhelmed. I instead would challenge you to say a phrase like that. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to produce the feelings you want in your life. Yes. So it's really important. You might write that on your mirror. You might put it on some post-its and on your car steering wheel or on if you're like a lot of us, we're on Zoom these days. So it might be a little post-it on your screen, on your laptop or something like that. So we work intentionally on letting, you know, not our feelings drive the best of our lives, but we let our thoughts and our behaviors drive that through intention. So good. Through intentional practice. So good. And that will help us resist worry and fear. It really will. And so I think that takes care of the next one. But here's something else I see women so struggling with right now. And that is, I would tell them to run their own race. You and I have a different race. We, we both have a podcast, but we have different people that we are called to reach. And sometimes we can get caught up in looking at somebody else's race and longing for that. And I try to help girls, especially in our office, teen girls realize who want to be somebody else or look like somebody else or act like somebody else. God has you on this earth for a reason, and you're the only one who will reach the people that you can reach and do the things that you're going to do. Mm -hmm. Your job is not to become the best them. It's to become the best you. And if you do that, you will run such an amazing race and it will be so good. And then we just, it it gets rid of a lot of the imposter syndrome, which is a big trending word these Mm -hmm. days. The fear of missing out, those types of things. If we're doing us well with God, in us, we are going to do amazing things and we can have confidence in that. Yeah. So good. Um, love it. Do you have more R's for us? If not, these are really good. We can move on. But <laughs> yeah, I have one more, and that's just to make sure you rest mm. in his grace. Because a lot of us, you know, and some of us are great at resting. I mean, I'm getting to where I'm getting better and better at like, I slept 12 hours last night. I'm kind of in shock. But it's, you know, I've been traveling and speaking in other states and it's been kind of a stressful week. We've had a COVID case in our house and a lot of um, adolescent tears about certain events that are being missed, real grief going on. So sometimes we do need to rest extra. And, and that is something that especially women rarely give themselves permission to do. And your rest is going to look different than my rest. Some people's rest is going to have a lot of distraction in it. They're going to watch TV. They're going to play those mind-numbing games. Some people are going to rest by taking a walk in nature. You know, all of us have different ways that we rest. But I think it's important that we not only rest, but we rest in God's grace. Yeah. That means whatever we didn't get done, He'll take care of. Whatever we're not, however we messed up, because we're all imperfect, 
we can just rest in that. Yeah. So important um, and such a good reminder that we need, and even if we know it, like we need to hear it over and over and over again. (laughs) Um, Michelle, even um, as we do these things and we work through these things and we try to implement them and practice them in our day to day, even if we're doing the work to protect our mental health, obviously life happens. um, And sometimes a lot of the time, you know, things happen we're outside of our self-protection and we, you know, maybe we're not as okay as we think we are. We're not as okay as we'd like other people to think we are. Uh, What are some warning signs? Um, I mean, some of this might be obvious. We might think, oh, we don't need to talk about it, but I think we do. Like, what are some warning signs that maybe we're not as okay as we think we are? Maybe we need a little extra help or care or something else to um, heal or, you you know, give us extra rest or healing in that season. So I will be a little vulnerable here. I didn't know I was going to go here with you, but um, I recently had some racing thoughts that would not stop in my head and they were not mine. I don't even know how to explain it, but they were worries that I don't worry about. I mean, I was telling them out loud to my husband and he's like, what is wrong with your brain? Mm -hmm. You know, this doesn't look right. And so I did go see my doctor and I got a full panel done and I was low on vitamin D, which is a really important hormone regarding depression. And of course, it's hard to get right now while you're, you know, a lot of us are still, um, quarantining in a lot. And so we're not getting as much vitamin D, but overall as a country, we tend to run like 75 to 80% people run too low on that. And that is the hormone that really affects our depression. And then also my serotonin was incredibly low. And so I decided for a short period of time to take a medication that would boost that. I had been trying a supplement and it just wasn't getting the job done. Mm -hmm. And those, even though I know everything to do, Those thoughts were just running on a train of their own. And within not even a full week of starting that medicine, I had my own thoughts back, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think medicine is for everyone every time, but I am grateful that it's there when our bodies are kind of like not being able to keep up with our own mental health practices because I'm pretty consistent with those. And so I think there is a time when when our sleep is not right, when we're waking up or we can't go to sleep, um, we're having to use the television to get ourselves to sleep because if we have no thoughts, that's why a lot of kids struggle. When they're young, we read them books and stuff like that, and we distract their minds from the day. And they're able to fall asleep because we rub their backs to get them to sleep. And then when they get a little older and we, we check out on that practice, those thoughts run rampant in their heads. And a lot of times they do need a distraction. Now, I'm not a big fan of screens in the room before bed, but I think sometimes they need something. And that's why I'm a big fan of read a book, escape into another world for a little while so you can fall asleep. And then if there are the same thoughts plaguing you over and over again, you have to look at that. Yeah, that's saying something. Right. And so I looked at that, but really and truly, I'm pretty confident that God is going to show up and work through me. And it wasn't all bad that I had these kind of crazy, what am I doing? Why am I speaking on this stage thoughts? Because I really did go to my knees and just say, God, if you don't show up, this is worthless. It doesn't matter how much talent I have. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter 
what information and wisdom I have. I need you to work in people's lives and hearts. So that's not all bad to have a little insecurity, but it was to the point where it just, I don't know how to explain it other. It wasn't me. Yeah, no, I get it that. Was, I think people yeah, it didn't look familiar and it, and some of that can be spiritual attack, but then when it's happening all the time, you've got to look at, is my body working right yeah. in that process too? So that's something if our, if our eating has changed, I also have gained some weight during this season. And I know that's affecting my brain. I'm working with a functional medicine specialist now. It turns out, I, can you believe I'm almost like physically allergic to spinach and asparagus and it's causing inflammation in my body. So learning that and kind of making some changes in my diet, I think that's really important. But I think big flags are when you can't control your emotions, when they're running, when the emotions are running the bus, that might be a sign that you need some more support. Um, when the past is coming back to haunt you, that's definitely a sign you may need some mental health intervention. And, and I really believe the best solution for that is to see a mental health professional. I want to, and I believe me, we don't need more work. We are, <laughs> we are busier than we've ever been in our, I mean, so bad. And the kids are struggling. Like it, it would break your heart if mm -hmm. I just talked to you about where the kids are in our country. Mm -hmm. I mean, Depression is up 84%. Anxiety is up 94% with um, adolescents and young adults. It, it is an epidemic like we've never seen before. They don't have hope. It, and I would say to a parent, if your child is struggling, you have to validate how scary the future looks for them because we didn't experience that growing up. We kind of felt like if we went to college, we'd get a good job and life would be good and we'd own a home someday. These kids are facing a, a life that may not have all those things in it, and they are feeling pretty hopeless. Yeah. And so we have to validate where there there are, and then try to give them some hope that things may be different yeah. as time moves on. And we have to do that for ourselves too. Yeah. So I think those are really important. We look at the physical side of things, we look at the emotional side of things, and then we look at the relational side of things. If your relationships are just blowing up all the time, if you're losing your cookies with your kids and um you're like your patience is so low and you know, you don't even like your spouse anymore, then that irritability could be a sign there's more going on. And that's where I as much as I don't want us to have more business, I think people need to start having mental health checkups for themselves and for their kids. We can break the stigma behind this with that. I mean, your pediatrician and your GP is not an expert in mental health mm -hmm. and they don't want to be. They take care of the flu and your vaccinations and your physicals and, and your colds and everything else. And so it is better to see someone like us. And then, and then we are going to refer you to a doctor to get a quality blood panel done and to make sure your doctor's looking at it. Because a lot of times, the vitamin D won't flag red, but literally if you had one microgram less in your system, you'd be red. And so we want the doctors to actually check it. I tell people, if you get quality blood work done, my doctor makes me come back in for a second appointment for us to go over that panel completely and to set some goals for me. Mm -hmm. You know, do I need to move more? Do I need to eat better? Is what else is going on with me? Do I need his, you know, I will confess his big thing is, do I need to rest more? You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing those things to take care of myself because I do have a very stressful job. Yeah, I love that there's something practical, like even just getting blood work and seeing where we're at. Like it's something very attainable. Like, you know, you go on like, oh, something's wrong with me. Oh, I don't feel myself. Like there's something you can do to like either confirm it. Because I know for myself, like I always, like the anticipation of something is always worse than what it is. If you find out what it is, <laughs> it's like, all right, yeah. I can move toward, you know, making this better versus like, you know, the great 
unknown, you know, is scary and overwhelming and gives you anxiety. Um, so if you, well, and we've got to move. Yeah. We know that. And in movement, we need to get our heart rates in a mm-hmm. certain zone for 20 to 30 minutes, three to five times a week. It the, Depending on the study you look at, my sister's like, I've never even heard you say this before this year. And I'm like, girl, you've not been listening to me much. I don't know what's going on, but it's as effective as a low dose of an antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication. Oh, I believe it. I well, it really 100% is. when I, like, I love, I love exercise. I've always loved, I've loved, I always have. I've like grew up playing sports and I've loved like movement. And like, it is a huge testament in my life that the days that I have that and the days that I don't, like, I feel very, you know, different way or things can get to me so much more and quickly and all of that. So I totally believe that, that exercise is is medicine. I loved movement when I was young because I was a tennis player and my hip and shoulder, I've had a hip replacement and shoulder repair. That is not part of my life anymore, but I do like to walk and I have to remind myself of that sometimes. I like to dance. I like a good elliptical and an audio book. Like give me that and let me roll on that. I have to remind myself that I like that because sometimes I'm like, Oh, I don't want to get my hair dirty and get all sweaty. <laughs> yes, have to take another shower. <laughs> yeah, but it's totally worth it in the long run. Not only that, but you're producing endorphins that mm-hmm. you also produce when you laugh. And that's something else that we need to do a lot of in these days. You know, we need to find funny shows and we need to laugh together and get those endorphins going. Yeah, for sure. I love that one so much. Michelle, you brought it up a little bit, but I'd love to just switch um, gears a tiny bit and talk more about kids, whether we're parents or um, we just have kids in our lives. And like we all know as adult women that mental health is important. It is vital. There are things we need to be doing to protect ourselves, to to practice these things, to have a, you know, be more stable and joyful and all these things in our life. But like, let's apply this to the kids. And I know you work with kids so much, so I'm so I'm just excited to be able to talk with this about you, but how do we walk with our kids when they're struggling emotionally? I know this is like a big question and there's a lot to it and it depends on circumstance, but like just shifting that idea of mental health, like toward our kids, like how do we demonstrate it to them? How do we help them through it? Well, I love what you said about how do we demonstrate it to them? Because Mm -hmm. as I open the Mentally Healthy Kids podcast, I'm going to say very clearly that mentally healthy kids in general have mentally healthy parents. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you don't have a diagnosis, which is just, it's not your destiny. It's a snapshot of a moment in your life. But that means you're taking care of your mental health. You're moving. You're reinforcing positive thinking. You're taking a timeout when conflict gets too big or the emotions are too large for you. You're doing those things. So I think that's definitely, you're creating good nutritional habits that feed your brain and fuel your body. But then with your kids, first of all, you're having conversations about emotion and you're not dismissing their perspective. It is different than yours. It is going to feel bigger to them because they don't have your perspective in the years. And it's also, they live in more in the present, which is actually really healthy. We adults need to spend more time there. Research says we need to spend about 50% of our time in the present. 25, we can look back at the past and learn from it. And then we can plan for our future for 25%. But a lot of adults create a lot of anxiety because they live way future forward. And they're not present in the moment with their kids or anyone else. But we need to be present in the moment with our kids. Our kids are present. So they feel all the feels a lot more intensely than we do. And and especially some kids, they're just wired that way. And so in those moments, we need to be there for them 
And we, for those who are open about their feelings, we need to validate their feelings, but not let them get stuck in their feelings. Mm -hmm. Like I, and, and we do that a lot of different ways. Like I just went through this with my daughter this last, yeah, last night, it was really rough, you know, and I'm just rubbing her shoulder and saying, I know this is so sad. You are grieving so hard. This seems so unfair. It's saying out loud the things that they're feeling and validating that it is hard to think about missing something when you don't feel like you're really sick in that process. And so she was grieving. And then I said, what can I do to serve you today? It's a great question. I think you can ask too. What can I do to serve you? How can I, how can I help make things better for you? And we had already eaten out kind of our allotted number of times and we're in COVID. So it's more expensive because we're having to Uber eats everything in because we don't want to be out exposing anybody. But I ordered sushi last night. It's her favorite meal. And I knew that would lift her spirits. And then her dad and I watched a movie that we've already seen before, but we knew she would like. We watched 10 Things I Hate About You. <laughs> and I'm an Eng- I was an English teacher, so I love, you know, um, Kiss Me Kate and all that stuff from Shakespeare and Taming of the Shrew. And so we watched that with her and she had so much. It just distracted her. We knew that she did not need to sit in her stuff. And then she spent time with her friends getting, you know, I gave her more screen time than I usually give her. She had asked for it and I'd already told her yes, because she needed her friends to, you know, to sit in the pity party with her. Cause that's part of how you heal too. You need those people to say, poor baby, it is so hard. It seems unfair. All those kind of things. Especially so, when you're 13. Especially when you're 13. <laughs> so if you don't have a child who's that transparent with you questions you need to ask your kids is like how are you feeling when is the last time you cried you know are you sleeping through the night well how how did you sleep last night is a question I ask my kids most days because if they're having trouble sleeping it's a sign that there could be more going on especially if it's happening over and over again yeah I I try now I have a really picky eater who eats almost all white and yellow foods (laughs) and he has a father just like him but I try as best as I can to just remind my kids hey can you add a fruit or a vegetable to this whether it's pizza or chicken nuggets or whatever it is um but here's the thing. The more important thing is that we are allow, we allow our kids to have these negative emotions. We sit beside them, not trying to fix them in them, because if we do that, we'll become their emotional compass. Mm. If we don't, they will turn to other people because they will think we don't get it. And we don't. We don't get their pain. None of us has lived through a pandemic quarantine in our childhood, except our kids. Yeah. And so we need to understand that they, they are, we do not get it. We, we're experiencing our own losses and we get those and our kids are going to have these roller coaster moments and it's okay. It's okay. And they need to be able to get that out. It, every, the most important things we can teach our kids is to name their emotions. So we need to help them and we need to develop emotional vocabularies, you know, and every dominant emotion, there's this huge range between um, frustrated and rage, right? On the anger scale and um, cautious and panic on the, on the fear scale. And then like for sad, there's everything from disappointment to devastation. Mm. And sometimes my daughter may eventually like feel disappointed, but she may feel devastated at first and she needs to work her way there. And I'm so proud of her. Like she's put so much scripture in her head. Like she knows that God is going to work everything for good. And last night, even she said, you know, I've been praying for this friend to get to lead worship more. And I tend to be the head lead on our, on our performances. Um, She's probably going to get to take, 
take my place a little bit. So I can see God using this for good, even though I'm going to miss out. And she's crying as she's saying it. What a sweet girl. But I'm like, I am so grateful that you could even think about what good could come out of a major Mm. loss for you. That you're training. And we don't do that. We teach them that by living that ourselves. You said, how do we model that? I say, oh, I hate that. You know, we had this financial hit. The washing machine broke. But I know there'll be a way we can use this for good. We won't have to worry about that in the future. You know, we model that in the way we talk and the way we respond to our own life tragedies. Because the washing machine can be a major tragedy for a mama in the middle of the week. We have a current situation where I feel like we're going to have to replace a microwave. And that's not really in the budget. But we're going to see how to figure that out. Because um, (laughs) um, somebody left... um, microwave macaroni and cheese in there too Mm. long and I don't think we're ever gonna get the black and the smell out of it and it wasn't you (laughs) um, and and you know what um it is 17 years old so it might be yeah it might be time (laughs) that's funny I love what you're saying about um like appropriately talking about things going on in your own life with your kids and showing them. I think that's something, even our daughter who's four, like we try to do that, whether, you know, it's Jesse and I, my husband, if one of us gets angry or short with each other or something and being like in front of her, like she can see that sometimes, but it's so important. I say to Jesse, like, I want her to see the other side. So like me saying to Jesse, like, I'm so sorry I was grumpy and like give him a kiss, you know, and have her see that side of it. And I think like, as far as emotion goes, like, and dealing with that, like having her see like mama is sad right now because of this, but, and like walking her through that and not making her feel responsible for it, but like appropriately showing her glimpses of that so that she knows how to do it too. So I love that you're saying that. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so important. One of the things we teach families in our center is we do it for them. We do it beside them and we let them watch us do it. And then we let them do it and we watch them and then they're able to do it on their own. And if they can't yet, we don't go all the way back to doing it for them. Like in those tween ages, we we go back just a step and we let them do it with us beside them again. Yeah. Michelle, do you have any language for um, parents of younger kids, um, things that we can be just incorporating in our day-to-day as far as emotion uh, management and mental health goes? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> let's go to your four-year-old. Okay. Yes, I, please. That's a great age to go to. In fact, I will tell you kind of a funny story about that and how I manage things at this age. Because I was a play therapist back in my younger days, and I train a lot of play therapists and school counselors who work in the elementary zone. So one thing I think is good is we didn't have a timeout place. We had a calm down step. And that was a place to actively work at calming down. So like we might have a pinwheel in there because I taught my kids breathing is a really important part of calming down. We had squeeze balls in there, just little, a little like shoebox full of little things that they can do besides just sitting there being mad. And sometimes I tell my son, like, you know, cause boys are more active a lot of times and some girls are too. Like, it's okay to like stomp your feet and kick your mat out in that timeout spot in yeah. that calm down place. And then honestly, I think I spent in those years, Becky, more time in my own timeout room. <laughs> I feel you, girl. <laughs> Except 
I'd be like, mama needs a timeout. Mama's going to say some stupid stuff to you that she does not want to say. So you sit in the calm down step and mommy's going to go to her room and calm down. Yeah. So there's some language for you there. My kids love to talk about that. They think that's super funny now. But my daughter so got this, like even breathing, deep breathing makes our brain start to work. It slows our heart rate down. Um, our our man, marriage and family ther- therapist, um, John Gottman, talks a lot about this. Um, sometimes in couples therapy, we'll have them wear a heart rate monitor and they can't talk when it gets too high because their brain's no longer working. That's interesting. Isn't that interesting? So with kids, you can even do this. So like my daughter used to have these fits in the car sometimes. Like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And I'd be like, okay, we got to breathe for a minute. And then we can talk about this. And so I'm in the front seat, you know, she's in her little car seat and we're breathing together and stuff. So here's the story that is infamous in my little um, preschool world where my daughter was. So one day there was this boy who was just acting like crazy and, and his mom's a good friend of mine. She's actually a podcaster and we were talking about it recently, but he was just, he got in bad trouble. He ended up in this timeout chair and he is mad. Like his face is red, everything else. And that's the way we can teach our kids. Like where do they feel it in their body? So mm-hmm. then they, emotions like your little girl would be like just mad sad scared right not big words mm-hmm. but just small words what are you feeling where do you feel it in your body like and you teach them we feel it in our chest and our shoulders and our booties and our faces sometimes they get warm so my daughter's like t- comes up to this boy and goes I know this sounds crazy but your face is really red and it's obvious you're mad <laughs> and she's like and my mom makes me breathe in one, two, three, and out one, two, three, when I feel like that. And I know we breathe all the time, but for some reason that makes my brain work better and it might help you get out of time out quicker. And, she's on. and I'm like laughing. And so the, the assistant preschool teacher tells the preschool teacher, the counselor's daughter has spoken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's really true, but those are little things we can start to teach our kids. You can teach it through blowing bubbles. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to teach breathe in one, two, three, because they want the bubbles to be big mm-hmm. and out one, two, three, and then the bubbles will go. And then sometimes when we're really mad, we need to go blow bubbles outside and just kind of like let our let our mood change. Sometimes we need to go for a walk or we can run in place. That's why I let my son, you know, throw his fit in a controlled manner. Yeah. Uh, I still use that today. My son's a little older now, but like we have this rule. If you throw a fit when we ask you to get off your screens, then you are showing us a sign that your brain is becoming addicted to that screen. So you're going to lose, we're going to shrink your screen time. And my son is like a coder. He plays with older kids. This is like his jam, right? So in a pretty positive way, like they, my kids once built the sound of music set in Minecraft, just like you would use Legos for one summer with their cousins. Yeah, that's amazing. I don't think it can be all bad. No, but, totally. But I think at the same time, it has to be managed and it has to be managed from an emotional perspective. So the other night I was like, Nolan, come to dinner. And I mean, he is like ready to go. He's like, ah, like this, you can see it. And then all of a sudden he takes this deep, big, deep breath and he goes, Okay, mom, I was in the middle of a game, but I'll come. And because he knows the consequence of not coming, but he's also, I just said to him, I really appreciate your emotional self-control, Nolan. That was, I watched it happen right yeah. then. You know? And that's what we want to do. We want to reinforce it when we see our kids saying, I know you don't want to, but I appreciate you cooperating with me anyway. Yeah. Things like that with the little four-year-olds, it's so important. Yeah, totally. And our daughter is definitely like, I don't know if all kids, because I'm a parent only this to our girl, but like, I know that like those words of affirmation and like that positive reinforcement for her, like goes such, such a long way. Um, 
So we try to do that as often as possible. Absolutely. We need to catch our kids doing good. Yes, yes. The positive side, we need to not always be asking for ourselves and our kids, what's wrong with my parenting? What's wrong with my kids? But what's right with them? And what's right with my parenting? Yeah. I think we need to be asking that question more and more. That's part of positive psychology. I think it's part of grace. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a very important part. We are to celebrate as much as we are to mourn. And even in these difficult times, we can find things to celebrate. Yeah. Michelle, um, whether it is our, you know, us and dealing with our own mental health or our kids, like, is there anything that is just like fresh on your mind these days, whether it's with COVID, pandemic, where our world is at, that um, just something that keeps coming up, something that you've found yourself talking about with a lot of, uh, you know, clients, anything that's just fresh on your mind that you would love to share with us? I think I would say don't dismiss the anxiety because it will lead to depression. If you're overwhelmed and you can't fix that over and over again, you will start to feel helpless. And we are seeing more and more kids get to that point before they get to us. So, And unfortunately, sometimes our kids don't want to disappoint us, so they won't be super vulnerable with us. And they'll be more vulnerable with a counselor because I don't have as much emotionally invested in them. So I think it's important that we have them, you know, the best check you can ever write. I'll never forget this one mom. She brought her son in. She is this like social extrovert, joyful personality. Cause we all like when the happiness research, we're all born with so much happiness in us. And her son's kind of this really laid back, introverted, game playing, couple of friends kind of guy. And she's really worried about him. He must be depressed by the amount of time he spends in his room. Well, I meet with him and he's got some good friends. They go out and do stuff once or twice a week together. And I'm like, he's not you, but he's fine. You know, like I don't see any reason for him to come back. He doesn't have a lot of negative thinking going on in his head. If he's being honest with me, he's active. He goes outside and plays. I mean, you just have a kid that's very different than you, but he's not going to a birthday party every week, but that's not him. That's Mm -hmm. you. And she's like, I mean, she's literally writing it and she's going best check I've ever written. You know, <laughs> because She's been so worried and there was nothing to worry about yeah. in this case. And so, and, and again, that's, I tell her that's a snapshot of today. I can't predict the future. I don't have a magic ball. I'm not God, but I can tell you where things are right now. If your child's honest with me. And that's something I think is really important. We want to have the kind of home and be approachable enough that we can be honest with ourselves and with our kids, and then they can be honest with us. Yeah. It's okay to say sometimes, my family knows every once in a while, hormonally, I'm in my 50s. We're doing menopause and puberty at the same time. <laughs> I do not recommend this. I don't know how you avoid it because people are marrying later, but it's an interesting combo But for my husband especially. But um you know, every once in a while, like once or twice a year, I have this day where like the sound of everybody's voice just irritates me. I can't even explain it. I wake up like that. And I just tell everybody, mama's going to hang out in a room today because this is not a good day for mama to interact with any of you. And Drew's, my husband's like, please do. You know? Yeah, yeah, stay, stay put. I'll bring you some coffee. I'll bring you breakfast. Mama pushes herself. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm going to get irritated. I'm going to pick a fight. You know, I'm going to be less patient with the kids and stuff like that. I think from a spiritualist perspective, it's so important we stay connected with God Mm. because so many of the things that we want in our mental health and our parenting are fruits of the spirit. Like, you know, peace, love, think about it, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. 
God's got to work in and through us. If we try to make that happen on our own by like, you know, gripping our, you know, our gritting our teeth and trying to do it, I think it's really hard. I think that we also need community. And I can't, I guess if I were to say one other thing is do not neglect community in this time. If you're an introvert, talk to your one or two friends in your family that you value. If you're an extrovert, go out on a patio somewhere and have some fun. You cannot neglect that. I think that's causing a lot of harm in our culture right now. I mean, I even get, because I am an extrovert, like I get joy out of talking to you, Becky, even in this scenario. Like this is not draining for me. This would be incredibly draining for my sister, who is also an author of, and speaker, because she wouldn't need a script and it's just harder for her to do this. We yeah. all have our strengths and weaknesses, but we all in our own way need to experience community and feel like there's somebody to talk to. And if there's no one to talk to, a lot of insurance is covering a lot of mental health without a deductible, free of charge, even telehealth, if you're in a situation where you cannot go out and be in public. So I think it's really important to, you know, we're all struggling to some degree mm -hmm. and to struggle well. And when we're not struggling, celebrate the just the bejesus out of that. <laughs> so much fun. When it's good, I want to have a great time. And then when it's hard, I, I want to be honest about that and work my way through it back to that place of goodness. Again. Yeah, so good. Michelle, in your own journey with your own mental health and like, I mean, you've got great insight and degrees and credentials that we don't all have, but like, what have you learned? What have you seen? How have you felt like, God setting you free? What does he set you free from? I think the thing I struggled the most with, and I think it's very typical in adolescence, is insecurity um, that people wouldn't like me. I'm just naturally built in to be a people pleaser. And I was kind of taught to say no to drugs and sex and alcohol, but not the church. Mm -hmm. And disappointing people was super hard for me. And when I was a young woman in college, um, I volunteered with Louis Giglio, um, who runs these big passion conferences, and also had a chance to go overseas and do some mission work with his organization. And he taught a series from a book, The Search for Significance, on the carrot and the cross. And what it was all about was that we have to get our identity from Christ. We have to get a sense of who we are. That's why I wrote Loved and Cherished, because I think it can free girls so much from the burden of feeling the need to perform, appear, and please a certain way. And there's a lot of pressure on girls and women. Even I just did a, confer a conference on this in Florida on self-worth with a group of youth, but their parents wanted to come. They're like, hey, we want to hear what she has to say. And so many of the moms came up to me and said, this impacted me. Mm -hmm. I get caught in these same traps, these performance, appearance, approval traps that you're talking about. And I need to remind myself of the fact that I have a Jesus filter on me too. And, and that even helps you with your parenting performance issues. You know, um, your kids aren't your parenting report card. The way you behave are, they're free to make their own choices and they may not always make the right ones. And that's going to become part of their testimony. Yeah. And that's just life. So I think the greatest thing I'm the most grateful for is to be, have been a young 20 year old and really, really brainwash my brain. And I think it takes some brainwashing because the world brainwashes our brain that you are what you do. You are how you look and you are how, how famous you are today, right? How many Insta likes you've got or whatever. But I really believe 
that we are created for purpose. We are loved and there's nothing we can do for that to disappear. And we are just, I'm just here to live that out the best I can in my own lane, getting back to some of what we talked about earlier. Yeah. Michelle, thank you so much for sharing all this. this is so good. I love like just bathing in all of this. It's good for me. I know it's good for others listening. Um, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yeah. So the Raising Mentally Healthy Kids podcast will launch in May. I don't know when this will air. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited about it. We are going to talk about all kinds of mental health because I want to prepare parents to talk to their kids about things like self-harm. And we have a huge gender identity movement that I don't even know how much it, people know is coming. My sister just sat in a foster care training on the word heterosexual privilege which I think a lot of people don't even get. And you'll have to listen to the podcast to find out more about that. But I'm also going to interview some amazing people who have either been through a mental health journey like Crystal Payne with one of her children. Um, Dr. Caroline Leaf is going to come talk to us about neurocycling, which is really a form of renewing the mind, and her research on how it affects even our blood work. And then Dr. Daniel Amon's going to come talk to us too. I've got some really amazing guests, a lot of mental health experts and um, sociology experts that Dr. Tim Elmore may come talk to us about his research on Gen Z and panic pandemic kids. Um, I'm just so excited to equip parents to manage my world, like to know what an intensive outpatient program is, what an inpatient program is, when you need that sometimes. You know, we don't want kids dying. We want less. Unfortunately, in the town where uh, my school is located that I developed the crisis counseling for, um, we had two twins who knew their parents would be devastated to live without them. So they shot their whole family and then shot themselves. And we have got to intervene before these incidences keep occurring. The numbers of these traumas are growing. Our kids are sitting in a darkness that makes them think that death is a good option out. And we have got to break that lie over our culture or we are going to lose too many of them. And then their friends are going to experience so much grief and trauma from it that it's just unbelievable. Our center is trying to support, you know, there's a school crisis. They actually replaced me with three people over a couple of years. So like we're supporting that team by seeing as many kids as we can in outpatient, just some of their friends. And it's hard. It's just really hard. It's a hard time for kids to be in where that's even an option when we have shows like 13 reasons why. I mean, we didn't grow up in that kind of culture. And I would just say, take your kids' struggles seriously and take care of your mental health and then take care of theirs. And, And mental health really is, it's really social, emotional, spiritual, physical. It You can't take it apart. It's a body and a brain and a mind all and a spirit all working together. Yeah. So we're very holistic in our approach to that. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Michelle, I'm so grateful for all you've shared. I'm excited to listen in um, just as a parent. Like, I think it's so important just to like learn as much as we can so we can be as equipped as possible. Um, so I'm excited to listen into that. Where can we find you on Instagram, online, and the name of your podcast one more time for us? So if you go to RaisingMentallyHealthyKids.com, you will land on my podcast page even now. Even though our last season was Raising Brave Beauties, it's a great season. I don't want to minimize it. Lynn Cowell, my co-author, and I interviewed mothers and daughters. So girls from the age of 6 to 18 talked about their struggles and how they talked through them with their mothers. So you can learn a lot about communication with your kids through that season. And then also uh, my main website is YourMentalHealthCoach.com. 
And that's where you'll find freebies on making worry boxes with your kids and how like some of these points, you can even get the handout for that, the biblical approaches to mental health. And I'm just trying to do everything I can to support families in this time beyond the walls of our counseling center. I just really am passionate about helping the church break the stigma of this topic and be okay to say, I'm not okay right now, but I know God's got me and I'm going to get better. Yeah, you're making a difference. So grateful for you. Thanks, Michelle, for coming on the show. Again, don't forget to check out the show notes where we have all of the info and links and resources we talked about in the show. You can go to beckymorkecho.com, B-E-C-K-Y-M-O-R-Q-U-E-C-H-O.com. Thanks for listening in.